Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Greetings, gardening friends, and yes, welcome to winter. Today's gardening program is sponsored by safety-based settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. We're all here. Bev's ready to go. John's out there chomping on the bit. Faya Caro's looking like a florist shop here. Just as well you're you're the only person in here today because we've just (laughs) sprawled the the garden out across the entire panel. Uh, You can phone us today, obviously, 94841927. Email us by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Big shout out to Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton. They are quite the duo, aren't they? They certainly are. Great music, great team. And also not forgetting Jim Crinan. And Jim will be back at 10 o'clock. How's your week been? I've had a wonderful week, Ray. I ha- <laughs> I I'm not asking you about yours. <laughs> yeah. but I I'll, got out- I'll just be quiet. You, you uh, carry <laughs> I got out in the garden this week and uh, it was that time of the year when, inspired by the, the Verge Waste Collection, we oh. had our palms pruned. And, of course, one of the pet subjects that I don't want to dwell on is rats eating things and yeah. of course coca's palms and their fruits can be a source oh, of food are. for them so they one are. of the ways That's that we manage knowledge, yeah. uh, as well as keeping the the property managed is to get a climber in he goes up five of our coca's palms trims off the pods which can be quite dangerous when they fall from a height of 10 meters yes get rid of the the seeds and fruit before they drop and any old fronds so that's all out on the verge Waiting to go. So that's a good job done. As, did you do it? No. No. I don't climb palm oh, trees. No, no, I know, I know. No, thought... they're, they're at a height now. They actually require Jason to put on climbing yeah. gear. So yeah. he's got ropes and harness mm. equipment. Uh, yeah. And I got another branch lot. So I actually put photos up on my Botanic Obsession Facebook page, okay. which is... You know, it's a good reminder to people if you've got this problem, there is a way of managing it. And we, we another way. Um, get One them trimmed thing. once a year yeah. and it minimises the problem yeah, and, that's and good. keeps things safe. Yeah, that's good. But unfortunately, not everyone does it. Like if you have, you know, those types of trees in your neighbour's yard, it's very difficult. Well, you know, the it can there. be, but mm. we, can, we can all do it. Yeah, um, and if they're done. not very tall, you can actually... Get pole pruners and extendable chainsaws. And it was an ideal birthday present for my husband when I bought him an extendable chainsaw, Ray. You bought him that for his birthday. Yes, Uh and it's electric, so you just you plug it in. It's quite weighted, you know, two metres down the pole. So does he enjoy using those tools? Does he enjoy gardening? Uh, Or does he do what you tell him to do? fixer-upper. So he fixes things I break and yeah. tends to the maintenance of things. But it was me who probably last used that pole saw mm. cutting down a pine tree that was covered in ivy 
that died probably 10 years ago, but mm. the structure still went no, like three mean. metres up in mm. the air and I went, right, that's it. So I started hacking into the ivy, which had trunks on it, mm. and that was a big job. And you just mm. you start and you keep going. But, oh, I love that that saw. It's It just makes life easy. You just got to make sure you don't stand under the branch that you're cutting. Oh, yeah. And uh, stand your ground. Make yeah. sure you're on the ground. Don't be using something like that on a ladder. Goggles on. Uh, boots, yeah. goggles. Protective wear. Long sleeves. Mm. Mm. And have you had a good week? <laughs> I have had a good week. You have. I was invited to supply a photo for the cover of oh, a yes. spring magazine. Yes, let's talk about that because I think that's quite a, quite a coup. Well, the... Um, the opportunity to pick a photo is like picking your favourite child because who, who would you choose to be on a cover? And, exactly. you know, what sort of flower should it be on? And But it was lovely. So I spent many hours looking through photos and then double-checking that, you know, they were the right size and quality and that I was actually happy with the look of it. So I sent about four different options. Mm. The first was a beautiful blue banded bee uh, going for a salvia mm. and the colours were just beautiful. Superb. But the last uh, cover was very similar, so it couldn't be blue. <laughs> so the other options were a blue banded bee on a snake vine, so the big mm. yellow flower. Mm-hmm. And then there was also uh, one of my favourites, which was the blue banded bee going in for a pink lantana green background, and that was the one that I won, won the a award. competition. Yeah, and with. that's the one that mm, they that's chose. That's what they've chosen. And that what's the magazine called? Our Garden. Our Garden. And so when will that be out? That will be out around springtime. Spring. And that's put together by Judy Horton, who's the editor of Our Gardens magazine, Order of Australia medal winner. Botanic Guide, uh, Judy Horton, author of lady. the Yates Garden Guide, very yes. well accomplished and lovely lady. Yeah, and isn't it interesting how far in advance they must work? Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're always gathering articles and yeah. photos and matching. Oh, what a job! Matching a photo to to words. Yeah. You know, you you just want something that's right. It's it's got to be pretty, and it was. Kind of about pollinator week. So, it, it, it. and there was a message in there because in Queensland, where Judy is, um, it is seen, the lantana is seen as a weed. So, I was a bit. Yeah, I understand. In a conundrum. Yes. Uh, and actually, when I entered that in award, I called it bewildered because there's that conundrum about, okay, this is a weed. Uh, we shouldn't be encouraging people to grow it, but it's really pretty and in the right place yeah. if it's managed at it. Okay. But having that awareness and sometimes mm. talking about these things, often the pollinators don't care. So from my perspective, you know, look at look at your plants, understand who lives where, what they like. Don't do things that have a bad impact on the environment mm. and have more awareness and of course today's world environment day but to me every day is world environment day this is true but i suppose it's the day to raise further awareness and with this magazine it goes all around it's national yes okay so we will uh, mention it certainly uh for listeners to go and at least 
pick it up and have a look at Faye Caro's photography because you are a great photographer. And there's also going to be a link on there to our podcast, can I you know. imagine? I so, know. I'm yeah. a little bit pleased about that. Oh, we're chuffed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, no, excellent, excellent. But that, that magazine often goes to societies. Okay. So... Um, I'm That's not good. sure that it's in. Oh, it's not in retail outlet. Reta- I get it. No, okay. but let let's find out. We'll have an upcoming spring show, so yeah. we might be able to get some extra copies and have them available at, say, the Garden Society's Fair. Yeah. Okay, that would be a perfect outlet mm, for it. Exactly, it and that will be coming up in September. It should be. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. All, all crossed. Everything going well. All guns blazing. Yes. All right. Now this morning. Who are we chatting with? We will be chatting with Trevor McGuigan, and he is not only the president of the Begonia Society of WA, but also of Donnybrook and the vice president of the Begonia Society of Australia. So he's got it all wrapped up. <laughs> yeah, mm. he, he does. And I asked him, Ray, this week how many begonias Always he a has. dangerous question, don't you think? And he said 350. <laughs> That's not too bad. Mm. <laughs> wow. It depends what you're comparing it to, Fayakara. Well, how many times do you count? <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, exactly. So Ooh. it depends what your benchmark is. But uh, no, looking forward to talking about begonias. I absolutely love them. Oh, they, I can't say I'm very stunning. good at growing them. I don't well, think they're great. Trevor's going to give us all the tips. So Some I'm, are easier I'm, than others. Well, they are, and mm. maybe it's about we've got to understand the plants yeah. and their needs and what to do their when. And it was Margaret mm. who rang in a few weeks ago who asked about a begonia, and and based on the one I had, which uh, is a cane begonia I was yeah. working on at the time, mm. it was looking ratty, mm. and I gave it a tidy up and. Uh, took a couple of cuttings. This was a few weeks ago, but mm. we are now in winter. Mm. The temperatures have dropped and mm. it's a different story. Mm. Trevor said that they're actually just hanging on now, but mine are under cover. They're under a clear alsinite roof and oh, they're doing really well. Yeah. But I'm very careful right now about the watering because a lot of those plants, they I some of them I dry over, out quickly. I over water. Mm. Mm. So really, it's very important yeah. to dip your finger in the pot mm. and make sure that it's not too wet and holding too much moisture. Mm. A lot of things will prefer to dry out a little bit or be watered from, um, yeah, not not have water sitting around them. Mm. Mm. Bungal diseases at the moment are. Quite prolific if leaves are wet. Okay. And we're going to learn the difference between a cordyline and a dracaena. Mm. Okay, so that will be interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. And we should go to Butler and say hello to Chris. Are you there, Chris? How's it going? I'm going well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, we're good. Very good. How can we help you today, Chris? Uh, What is the process of uh, growing fig trees from uh, cuttings? Oh, that is an easy one, and winter is certainly the time to do it. When we prune off, prune our fig trees, we generally do it when they've lost all their leaves. So I know that mine are, are dropping leaves but haven't lost them all, so it'll probably be another month or so for mine. They can have a hard cut back, and of course when you cut back, you can use your cuttings to to propagate, and it's it's simply... You can take pieces that are 30 centimetres long, uh, two nodes in the soil. You would 
do a square cut right below the bottom node and then just stick it in the ground. So you could, you know, do a half a dozen. This is what yes. my father-in-law used to do. Mm. He'd, he'd take 20-odd and he'd just stick them in the ground around where the tree is and, and the just leave are. them go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or you could, you know, individually put them into a pot and not give them too much water initially because they're until spring sort of comes around and it starts to heat up, that'll be the trigger for them producing roots. Very right. easy. You can use a hormone powder on them if you want, or you can dip them into raw honey, and that can also be a help. Oh, yeah. Uh, another question. I've, got, um, I've just discovered I planted uh, two mango seeds about two months ago, and they're starting to develop roots. Okay. What are the chances of the survival? Well, going through winter, as long as you've got them in a warmish place, don't keep them too wet. You could even consider making a little um, hothouse over them, so like a two-litre plastic bottle or something like that. That will help keep the temperature up a little bit. Uh, They would like filtered light in a warm position and they should be fine yeah well i only planted them in my veggie garden just as an experiment okay well if you can make a little hot house over them like a little plastic shelter or something like that that will be their best chance oh okay then mm. good okay. luck thank you very much ladies you've answered my question you're welcome thanks Chris. all right bye for now and let's go to Safety Bay's Safety Bay, I should say. I'm ahead of myself. Deterring possums, Fayakara. Okie doke. John, good morning. Uh, good morning. Yeah, a friend of mine lives in Melbourne in St Kilda and uh, he's quite a few possums. He loves his possums, but they attack the vegetables and get into everything. Everything mm. that's edible if they'll eat. Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's any good uh, way of deterring the possums from any any method of that. Uh, yeah. Mm. This is a subject that I would like to delve into a little bit further and I've been investigating possible people to interview but no luck as yet. I know that in Melbourne when they had the Melbourne Flower and Garden Show they would actually net net their displays overnight. I was about to say yes. it's really... Um, Barriers. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So... Getting creative. If, if you are serious about growing vegetables and you have possums, you may create a purpose-built enclosure, something like a a shade house frame that's netted or mesh, bird wire type Mm -hmm. product, Mm -hmm. and and just keep them out. Mm. Yeah, that's what he's been trying to do, and uh, (laughs) they keep getting in there somehow. I don't know. I I I have to have a talk to him about it and see tell him what what you said and uh, see what he can come up with. Yeah. Mm. And now if, back to the rats again, if you're using a net, of course, rats can chew through a net. So it's possible that, you know, there might be two problems and therefore you have to investigate where that hole is and you just have to bolster the netting or go for something that's stronger. Yeah, okay then. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks. Anyway, thank you. Thanks, thank John. You. And okay. on that subject, we did talk about Fasca girls a couple of weeks ago. So I've I've emailed and I've contacted a couple of wildlife places. 
I'm looking for someone who understands our native marsupials, who knows what they are and what we have around Perth. Mm-hmm. And Wouldn't that be Eric McCrum? I don't have a current phone number for Eric, but mm. yes. Mm. Um, someone yes. of that or, or even, you know, like I've contacted Native Ark, I've contacted, mm. sent an email to Darling Range Wildlife Centre, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but someone who, who knows everything about the marsupials that we could have around Perth because my fear is that we have native animals, dunarts, antichinus, fascagales, possums, which are cute and cuddly and they're inadvertently being poisoned by by us using poisons. Mm. And then, of course, you've got your predatory birds as well. So watch this space. It's It'll be coming. <laughs> All right. Back shortly. Curtain Radio. 23 minutes after eight, you are with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. And as promised a little while ago, we have Trevor McGuigan online, president of the Begonia Society WA, and Donnie Brook, and vice president of the Begonia Society of Australia as well. Busy boy. Trevor, you're with Ray and Faye. Good morning. Good morning. How are we all? Uh, Very good. I bet your garden's looking bright and chilly this morning. Uh, It's looking a little bit wet at the moment. (laughs) We Uh, had a little bit of rain. (laughs) Did you? Where where are you based, Trevor? We're at Eton on the Collie River. Oh, okay. Just out of Bunbury, yep. Okay, okay. A bit further than I I remembered, actually. (laughs) So, yes, a little bit colder where you are, although it was pretty chilly in Jandicott this morning, that's for sure. So your your begonias, Trevor, how do you manage them at this time of year? Mm. Uh, carefully. Yes. <laughs> uh, the thing mainly you've got to watch, I would imagine, is basically powdery mildew. It tends to run rampant at this time of the year. Right. And how can you avoid that? Um, basically... Probably the best thing is to use a fungicide about once every two weeks. Right. Uh, there is a, <clears throat> you can buy them. Um, basically, a rose type of spray will do the trick, or you can use a homemade one. Okay, and what would that be? Uh, well, I've got it down as uh, five grams of bicarbonate soda, two mils of eco oil, and 15 drops of a wetting agent. And that's your spray. That's per litre, and you spray that on uh, on the plants and make sure they're wet. Ah, well, that sounds pretty easy. Um, yeah, something uh, people got round the house. Yes. Okay. So, do you recommend having the plants out in the open to take advantage of the the winter rains? Uh, all, all of mine are under cover. Uh, they're actually in a, a, under shade cloth or. Um, Bicarbonate, the the, the plastic stuff. Where you Polycarbonate. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so they're fairly protected. Okay, so I imagine that would help keeping the water off the leaves. Yes. Um, the mildew on the leaves doesn't do too much damage because the plants will renew their leaves come spring. But what you've got to watch is the actual bark, like the trunks of the plants. Yeah. Because what happens, it scars them. Right, okay. So I guess for people around Perth, their their plants might be 
starting to look a bit winterish, so they might be coming to the end of their flowering, dropping leaves, their stalks are, are looking a, a bit more bare. Can yep. they tidy them up now? They can tidy them up. Uh, if they're growing rhizomatous, that's not the canes, the other particular variety, um, what they can do is take a few leaves out and let so the air will move through them more freely. Mm. Okay, yep. Because so, what will happen uh, come September or late August, uh, the rhizomatous will start to flower and then they'll put on the new leaves straight after that. Right, so we're only about like 12 weeks away, aren't we, from them flowering yeah, again? very fast. <laughs> so, yeah. so the overwintering aspect is obviously now, between now and spring, so we have to be very careful mm. with everything that you've outlined. Can you can you keep a begonia in a house, in, indoors? It indoors? does need light. Um, How much light? Well, I actually haven't kept them in the house. So, yeah. Um, you could you know have a week in and week out sort of thing, or mm. they do need the full full daylight. Uh, yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to say was with the watering. What can happen this time of the year because you're not watering as much as the pot can dry out and then when you go to water it the next time, the water runs down the sides of the pot and doesn't mm. soak the soil. Mm. So the best way is then to put it into a bucket and immerse it and then don't worry about it for at least two weeks. Okay, so that's a better way of giving it water. Yeah, only because they over-dry and they become waterproof. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what are the times of the year when when you can be doing more with them, Trevor? Propagating, fertilising, how do you get the best out of your blooms? Right, okay. Well, rhizomatous, which come on flower first, they'll be late August, September, October. Um, Those you can start feeding in a... beginning of July and sort of bring those up a little bit. Uh, after they've flowered, you can then prune them and repot them. Canes, basically, you'll prune those in September, early October, and take your cuttings and what have you, and they will start flowering just before Christmas and carry on right the way through. Wonderfully rewarding, aren't they? They are. They're fantastic. And some of them these days have got absolutely beautiful flowers and um, and their leaves uh, are absolutely some lovely varieties out oh, there. Oh, yes. Where, where, you know, begonias, you, I mean, you can go to your nursery and, you know, you see a few, but you don't see a huge range generally. Where's, where's the best place to acquire them? Uh, it would be from the club. The club. Yep. Yeah. Because uh, the thing that you don't, well, there is a few species available in the nurseries, but yeah. at the moment we're almost cracking 2,000 different um, species in the world. Wow. It's really grown in the last couple of years. It was running around about the 1,700 mark, but it's uh, crept right up in the last well, 18 months or so. And how long have you been involved with begonias, Trevor? How, how long is your passion or how, how old is your passion? Probably about 25, 30 years Fabulous, now. Yeah. Yeah. So it well, sounds... Once you get hooked, it's... it's, it's oh, oh, uh... We know. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, there's so many. Yeah, it's, mm. It just goes on and on and, and on and, and on. And you're always looking for that elusive one or one you've never had before or it's like being a collector. Uh, well, here in WA, we were disadvantaged a bit because mm. uh, because of input uh, yes. um, quarantine. Mm. The Eastern Staters can have as many as they like and whatever they like, but we can't. And uh, it makes it... A, a, Makes us envious. Very, very. I don't blame you. Trevor, are all of yours in pots or do you have some in the garden? I have some out in the garden, yes. And uh, some they... of the canes will grow happily under, under a tree mm. in, in a light shade. Um, afternoon sun is the worst. Um, I think it's for all plants because it tends to be the hottest. Yeah. Uh, early morning sun, they'll take that um, and they grow exceptionally well. Even your rhizomes, rhizomes you can grow outside. Hmm. I hadn't even really thought about putting mine into the garden so much, although I do love the little bedding begonias that you buy in the punnets. They make beautiful borders and nice contrast foliage with the red leaves. Hmm. Yeah, they're the Semperflorums. Okay, Semperflorums. So what's yeah. the program for actually uh, feeding our begonias, Trevor? Is it a... Is it a... What, uh, an easy solution or different? Yeah, they look, feeding them, they're like basically any basic fertiliser that you can buy these days. Uh, I tend to use a slow-release fertiliser and top up with a foliar spray. Uh-huh. And how often? Uh, during the growing period, mm-hmm. about a week mixture, not full yeah. mm-hmm. once a week. Uh-huh. Once a week, uh, full full one is be every fortnight, but uh, a little little is better than lots. <laughs> okay, little and often. Yes. Okay. And Trevor, what happens at your society meetings, and when are they? Uh, well, if we look at, um, we have a meeting next weekend in up in Perth, and that's at Southern River. So that's the first Saturday. Oh, sorry, the second Saturday of each month. Uh, the Donnybrook one is the fourth Saturday, and the Albany branch, there's a, the third Saturday. Right. And are plants available to buy at those meetings? Uh, yes, they are. Uh, and that'll fluctuate with the season, of course. Yes, of course. yes. Yeah. Now would not be a good time. Uh, there'll be still some coming through because the winter hasn't really hit. Um, Just yet. Uh, mine have basically lost most of their leaves, but Perth's still a bit warmer and mm-hmm. they've still got theirs. Okay. And, and a lot of them have very, um, like, really good shade houses and whatever, and they can keep them going a lot longer. And is there anything with the potting mix? Is there anything we need to add to our potting mix? We just buy a high quality potting mix. Is that sufficient? Yeah, uh, potting mix can be just the ordinary, um, a good quality one that yep. you say, as you say. Uh, it needs to be a pH around about 5.5 to 6.5. Okay. And in that mix, you'd want to put um, a good percentage of perlite. Right. In fact, you know, a lot of the plants we've talked about recently have a similar sort of mix. The epiphytic mix, the fern mix, they're, mm. they're light. They're yeah. not heavy. Yeah. Yeah. You're dead right. Um, if you pick up a pot and it breaks your hand, it's too heavy. The, the soil is too like it's too solid they need it open mm. and it needs to drain fairly easily they don't like wet feet 
And a lot of plants are like that at this time of year, you know, mm. the more tropical plants. So well, once people realise that, it's it unlocks the secret and makes really growing does. a lot easier. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's about it. And are they I'm susceptible? Really is, uh, in, uh, like other diseases, they get the little green caterpillars. Uh-huh. Uh, they can be a pain. And thrips and mites. So they can be also just... You know, one of the ordinary insecticides will do fix those up. So very little things happen to them. They're pretty good. Well, and they give you a lot of colour. So one plant, yes, makes a, a a lovely display. And like you said, you can bring them inside and put them outside, alternate, alternating weekly for a bit of extra colour. There's there's a beautiful range of um, some of the rhizomatous uh leafy ones and of course they can be grown by leaf cuttings too can't they Trevor? They sure can um, that's one of the things we've been doing a fair bit of in the club in the last few months and uh, basically we're doing it as leaf wedges and um, how do we do, how to describe you basically cut a circle around the st- like where the stalk is on the leaf and then cut wedges and pop those into a uh, mix of, um, at the moment, sphagnum moss and perlite, but um, sphagnum moss is a bit hard to come by at the moment. Oh, right, yes. Yes, supply and demand. We've got a lot more home gardeners out there now in the last 12 months, I think. <laughs> We've got heaps because everything disappeared when COVID came in. Sure Everyone became a gardener. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good news story in itself. Yeah. Thank you, Trevor. Appreciate it very much. Say, if, if everyone's is looking for anything, just go onto our website. Uh, it's Begonias WA. And on that, it's got all the um, meeting times and, and contact numbers. And also on that, there's a link to what we call the International Database. And on that, there's a chap in the Eastern States has put this together. It's probably about... Close to 6,000 plants on it. Oh, wow. Wow. A feast for the eyes. Well, yeah, it just gives you where they come by and who basically grew it in the first place and something about how it grows. So it's, but you, you know, it's, there's heaps and heaps and heaps of plants in there. Information. Yep, it's all there. Well, I know I've been to the website before and there's, it's a great resource for, for growing and everything about winter care and oh, begonias okay. is there. So thank you very much, Trevor. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Okay, then we'll catch you again. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Bye. Bye, Bye for now. Bye. Okay, and that was Trevor McGuigan from the Begonia Society. Gets you going, doesn't it? Oh, I want to the... jump into that website and start start looking. Mm. <laughs> Best begonias I ever saw, and this was way before I became a plant girl, uh, was in Europe and I just saw the, the most spectacular begonias. I've never seen the like so much here, except I saw one that reminded me of it when we went down to Kingsley Dixon's garden in Waruna and I, it reminded me of what was in Europe. Well, Do you know the one? Because I pointed at it and you <sighs> said to me it's a begonia and it was that brilliant orange. Yes. Massive head. Yes. Yeah. And I instantly think back to a visit we had to... Fitzroy Gardens in Melbourne to their glass house 
And at a certain time of the year, it's full of begonias mm. and the colours. Colour. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Oh, they, yes. There are Stunning. no birds. Larry, thanks for waiting so long. We're just That's sitting right. here daydreaming about begonias now. <laughs> I love your program anyway. So oh, thank you. Pleasure to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got, um, I'm in Hamilton Hill and I've got a lot of limestone in the ground and one of the few plants I have put in the ground is a um, frangipani. It's been going well for about seven years but um, I've just noticed um, as it started to lose its leaves, it's got two main branches coming from the, the base of the plant and one of those branches, the offshoots where the flowers and that have come have gone all soft and squishy, um, is it time to get rid of the plant completely or could I just cut that main branch off? And No, if, yes, um, it sounds like it's rotting back or dying back. If you've still got yes. two healthy branches, that is excellent. What right, I would yep. do um, to stop it sort of going back into the main plant is cut back just into some healthy new growth. Right, yep, okay. And... Um, Best to do it like in in dry conditions. Uh, I'm not sure what the weather forecast is, but uh, Ray's just looking at oh, that now. Well, we have a little bit of rain tomorrow, not a lot of rain, one to three mil, which oh, is negligible. Okay. And All you right. know, it's quite fine up until about Wednesday. Okay. Right. So okay. yes, m maybe do it now and um, just hope for the best. Keep an eye on it. Make sure it doesn't get too much water. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> So the okay. one corner of the house where I sort of just sparingly give it water and um, it, it seemed to be doing well, as I say, for the last seven years we've been doing all right. But I've just noticed in the last week that I uh, thought, oh, that doesn't look right and they don't feel right. You know? mm. so, yeah, should I be painting those um, when I cut them off, paint it with anything? or? Um, uh, there is a product called Steriprune that you can spray, but I... I've actually found that plants are pretty good at healing themselves. Right. Okay. And frangipanis are pretty tough. So th I think the best chance is to do it in the, the dryish weather yep. and okay. um, and just keep an eye on it. I don't think I would paint it. Plants okay. do a very good job of sorting themselves out. Yeah. Now, I've got three cuttings that I took about six weeks ago, and they've been standing sort of free. Should I treat them with anything before I put them in the ground? or um, You don't need, to, don't need no. to, no. No, just when you no. do put them in the ground, stake them yeah. or make sure that they don't move. The worst thing yeah. when a cutting is trying... Pots, actually, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Just, just yeah. make sure that there's no movement in the pot. Yeah, okay, that's great. Just a, a quick one on um, lemon trees. I've got a couple of lemon trees in pots there. Still seem to be producing some fruit, but they're losing their leaves, and the leaves are going yellow. Um, I did repot them about 12 months ago, so I thought they might have been getting a bit damp underneath, and um, that they they haven't really sort of improved much. Okay. Uh, um, did you use a good quality potting mix? Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, That's good. And is the soil accepting water, or has it has? No, no, it's accepting water, all right. Yeah. Okay. No, it's Sparingly give it citrus food because I think when we're in a pot, you don't want to give it too much, you know, so just give it a little bit. Mm, uh, a liquid food might help a little bit. All right, yep, 
what else? Maybe, maybe a wetting agent, maybe a, a drink of seaweed. If it's losing yep, its okay. leaves, it sounds like something has happened to upset it. So, mm. you know, potentially a co- really cold spell or fertiliser right, burning yeah. the roots or right, okay. it drying out. Yeah, I've got a worm farm, so I regularly feed most of my plants with a bit of worm juice. So That's good. Excellent. Great. Okay. Well, you think you've uh, answered my problem uh, <laughs> questions? <laughs> good. Good. Solve the problem. Yeah. All right. Great. Thanks for your call, Larry. Keep up the good work. Thanks. We'll Cheers try. For that. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Short break. When we come back, we are talking about mango pruning with Carol. Curtain Radio in Quarter to nine, we will be going to the news at 9am, of course, 94841927. Let's go to Subiaco, chatting with Carol. Good morning. Hi, Carol. Hi. Um, Two years ago, my mango was a mess with anthracnose, and you advised me not to do anything, not to spray it, etc. And it's healed itself, and it's looking absolutely fantastic. But it's it's a good three meters high now. Is it too late to prune it or or not? Did it fruit this year, Carol? Yes, but they were very small. I I didn't water it, um, but it did have a lot of fruit. They were green. They didn't turn yellow, but they were yellow inside. And when so I just peeled peel them and cooked them with cranberries, and they were delicious. Oh, yum. <laughs> when did it finish fruiting? Uh, I, it was a few months ago. Okay. Now. Yes. I, I'm a bit reluctant to tell you to prune it now because they, they're a warm lover. And yes. with the risk of rot and and colder weather and rain sort of coming, I don't think now's the best time to prune it. But I tell you what, we've got Chris Oliver scheduled for the 19th of June and he is a full bottle on tree pruning. Normally the the rule of thumb is to prune after fruiting. And so because that was some time ago, that would have been the best time the tree would heal quickly. Going into winter... Plants that like warm conditions aren't going to do their best. We do a a lot of pruning on deciduous trees when they lose their leaves, but this is an evergreen, so I don't think now's the right time to do it. Is it best just to fertilise it and let the rain um, do the rest? Well, I don't want to water it, not after having anthracnose. Well, if it's well established, it should do okay on rain. And the the winter sprinkler ban has also kicked in. So we don't want to um, have our irrigation controller set to come on either. But rather than feed, um, kind of give it a layer of, of compost and mulch. That will actually help the tree without feeding it. We don't. We don't feed in winter. We don't want to encourage new growth now. The time to do that would be spring. And I suspect that would be the time also to give it a cut back. You may uh, lessen the fruit, but that's okay because you'll get 
bigger fruit. Right. So yeah. I think wait till spring, but certainly mulch, compost, and let it look after itself for winter. Yes. Yeah, I think doing nothing for it when it has anthracnose, the tree healed itself. I was doing all the wrong things. The brownery got the more water I gave it and oh. all this sort of thing, you know. Well, there there is a product um, yeah. called anti-rot. Yes. And that can can be used or applied, and you could do that now too, as a preventative mm. but also a curative. So if you think it's got anthracnose, that is something that you could give it now. Right. Right. Okay. okay. Yep. Good. So spring is time for pruning. Yes. That's when yeah, I would cut it back. Spring, but I haven't got pruning next door to that. We've talked about so much uh, on different aspects of mango that I, I forgot to put the next word in, spring pruning. So that'll be that'll be fantastic. Thank you very much for your help. Okay, you're welcome. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks, Carol. Cheers for that. And we did get an email from the lovely Shauna. Uh, this is in regard to your shout out regarding the Fasca Gales. And uh, Shauna's saying that you could contact the Kenyana Wildlife Rehab Centre in Les Murdy. She said they take in injured and orphaned wildlife and often have little fur balls to care for from tiny bubs to adults. And I've got all the details here. Thank you, Shauna. I will pass that to Thank you. I will follow that up. We will follow that up. For sure. And we received an email from Paula in Melbourne. This is a bit exciting because she listens to our show. Of course she does. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing all your great tips and knowledge. So she says, good morning, Faye and Ray. How do I know if my peonies are alive as the leaves have all gone brown? They're in a pot. So we don't ever, ever get calls about peonies here because you virtually can't grow them in Perth. Uh, So I've got John to do a a little bit of looking up for me. Now, she's also trying to grow ginger. They appear to have green buds but haven't gotten any leaves. It's in a pot with a plastic bag over it inside the house to keep it warm. Am I doing the right thing? I'm in Melbourne. So ginger. Now, just the other day, I dug up a clump of turmeric out of our worm farm and Recently, I talked about how to grow it and I said you would ideally grow it over the warmer months and you grow it in a a large-ish pot because the plant spreads its roots, which thicken up almost like a hand across and also down, like lots of fingers all together in the pot. So it actually fills a pot quite quickly. Mm It is not a winter lover, so having it in the house is better. Uh, I wouldn't expect too much of it over the next few months because of low temperatures, but springtime it will kick off. So for people, if they are growing ginger now, the edible type ginger, and the leaves are looking a bit yellow, they're starting to die down, that's quite normal. Mm. Let the pot dry out, dig it up and use them, save a piece, repot it and keep it dry, dryish over the next few months and it should take off again. So definitely a, a warm grower and loves mm. to be fed and loves a big pot. Mm. So 
that's tropical gardening. Now we'll come back to the peonies another time. Okay, let's go to a break. Back shortly. Curtain Radio. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Faye and Ray. We are heading to Beachborough. We're talking about clistamines. Terence, good morning. Good morning, my dear. Good morning to both of you. Hello, Terence. Um, <laughs> yes, listen, I've got about three or four calistamums, uh, you know, commonly known as bottle brushes. Yes. Uh, the Captain Cook version. I've had them for the last, when we built our home, we planted them, which is about oh, 35, 40 years now. And they've got really, over the years, over the last five or 10 years, they've got really scraggy. They're not so dense and bushy. And this summer, we never had that many <coughs> beautiful clusters of uh, red flowers. And I wanted someone to me, look, you have to prune it. And I was just wondering when was the best season to actually prune them down vigorously? Mm. Uh, pruning them vigorously. I I sympathise with you. I too have very old bottle brush. I think they're about four metres tall. And unfortunately, they've been badly pruned over the years. So they need a bit of rejuvenation. Um, I, When you say to prune them vigorously... There is a limit to how much you should prune a tree back at any one time. So I see, I see. the other problem it's is when, if you lop them, you get some untidy growth. So trees of this age, Terence, I would probably suggest that you, you get someone who is a, a tree, an arborist or someone who yeah, does this professionally because, number one, they're big. Number two, it's important to maintain the structure, integrity and shape of the tree. They can be beautiful trees when they're well managed. But if you just get someone in lopping, the regrowth that you get will be weak and untidy and it won't do anything for the health of your tree. I see, I see. So I. So what, what percentage do <laughs> you think should be lopped? Probably it wouldn't be as much as fifty percent, and oh, okay, okay. It it really isn't across the board. When you look at a tree, you're looking at the shape, and you you'd be looking at the trunks, the trunks that you want to keep. You would cut out anything that's crossing over, or you look at the weight and the size, and how you want the tree to grow. So it's grow. there's a okay. fair bit in it when you're looking at doing cutting and it might be oh, it might be 30% about 30% yeah okay okay and what what is the best time to do them you well usually after flowering um but you know in terms often, of season in terms of season probably probably um autumn would be a good time, but it also might work in with a verge collection that you have coming up. Um, they're very forgiving trees, so it, although there's a best time, you could prune them at any time. I see, I see. Okay, okay. There's yeah, I was a... going to prune them down to about fence height, around about six, six feet. However, um, the, the trees are about uh, about 15 feet high from ground to yes, the top. Yes, I... So if I prune a third of it, 
that should be... That will be way above fence height still. So I would ask that you do it in stages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, then. That's given me a very good idea and uh, now, I know exactly what to do now. On the 19th of... Yeah, go on. On the 19th of June, we expect to be talking to Chris Oliver, who is um, a specialist in tree pruning. So if you've got more questions, if you've started on your pruning, um, listen in to him or feel free to call in. And it's very important that when you do a cut, you just don't lop off a branch. I want you to do, there's a three-cut pruning method where you you'll cut uh, a little bit out from the tree underneath the limb and then you'll do another cut above and another cut below so that when you cut through the top, it will tear back but it won't tear away the main trunk. I see. And then you do a nice clean cut near the trunk so the tree can actually heal itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know it's a lot to take in, isn't it, Terence? Mm-hmm. And then is it good to, uh, after you've done the uh, pruning, is it good to uh, paint it with that black uh, paint, um, horticulture paint, so that water doesn't get into the cuts? I don't feel that is terribly necessary yes. with a colistamine. All right, yeah, yeah. Okay, because we generally do that with our with our mango. Well, you when can do. The mango mango yes. tree, we generally paint the uh, the the cut parts, uh, the wounds, uh, in other words, uh, with okay. paint. Okay, yep, all right. That, and that's a, a good question for Chris. When would you? Mm. All right, all right. Okay, then, you've been very informative. I think I've basically got... Uh, need to know what I have to do. Thanks, Terence. Cheers. Have a good day now. You too. Bye. As promised, 9 o'clock news. 11.1 degrees right now. We are heading for a maximum of a sunny 21 and the minimum overnight will be 7 and the maximum tomorrow 21. Showers are developing. And on Monday, WA Day, the minimum overnight will be 8 that we'd be mostly sunny with a maximum of 19. And as mentioned earlier, our current rainfall year to date is sitting at 113.6 mils against the 10-year average of 88.8 mils. So we are tracking beautifully with our rain, which is uh, where we need to be. Let's head out to the lines. We do have some very patient listeners. Chris, thanks for holding. Thank you. Hi, how are you, Chris? Yeah, good, good, good. I rang last week about a couple of rogue roses I've got, which are yes. like a tree rather than a bush. Yes. They're, they're both a floral bunder, uh, Scarlet Queen Elizabeth. Right, okay. But they, um, they just insist on growing one big stalk in the middle. And, uh, I mean, up to, I've cut it off now, but about one and a half metres high. Because we were thinking it was rootstock. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I uh, what we might do is get John to have a look up Scarlet Queen Elizabeth and mm-hmm. see what what the habit is, and if that is what they do, it might give us some advice on how to manage it. Okay. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Just two quick ones. Look, things you call um, bird of paradise, 
and the kangaroo paws, when they've flowered, do you cut them off at ground level or just take the, the heads off or what? The kangaroo paws, um, I would... you. Well, you can deadhead, but you can also cut the plant to the ground and feed it yep. Uh, yep. after it's flowered. Um, autumn, autumn's probably a good time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the strelitzias, yes, just cut the flowers. And if you if you cut them while they're looking beautiful when they first come out, they make stunning indoor bouquets. Sure do. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm, so- All right. No, I'm good with that. I've just got the, the tag off those roses, and it does say, which I obviously didn't read before, a vigorous, tall bush with profuse, medium-sized scarlet blooms. Right, okay. Um, yeah, well, so vigorous maybe, tells you a lot. <laughs> yes, yeah, maybe that's what I've got. Yeah, but if, yeah. you, if you were to let it go, if it's in an okay position, that, that is the habit of, of the plant, so yeah. if you can, allow it to do what it wants to do. Let it flower okay. and then cut it back. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll give that a go. Work work with it rather than against it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good luck, Chris. Saw it two inches off the ground is not, not the right move. No, probably not. <laughs> it might, if, that's, if you have to do that, it's probably not in the right position, I suspect. Yeah, okay. No, it's not doing any harm. Or is it just sort of look? at a place where all the rest are growing bushy and, and mm. growing very well that these two just take off in a big long stalk but never mind mm. that's what it is that is oh well, thanks for the feedback all right good thanks for your show okay. all good stuff thank you all thank right. you bye. bye for now let's go bye. to kiara and say hello to robert talking about buffalo lawn robert oh yes good morning thank you you're welcome we are uh, in Kiara, we're elderly, and we've got a s- small lawn, but it's really badly thatched. It's buffalo, and all I wish to find out is I will dig it out and patch it. If I did this during the winter, I know it won't grow, but um, would it k- kill it? I mean, if, when I put runners in during the winter, would they stay dormant, do you think? Winter is probably not the time for doing lawn renovation. I that that's my thought um, because, mm-hmm. like you say, they're they're not likely to be moving. Um, you'll get it knitting better, but if it's if it's very thatched, that might need verti mowing. Yes, I understand that. But it's a little mm-hmm. tiny bit. I was just going to dig it out. Well, it's uh, ten meters by five and. We're well into our 80s and we're capable of digging it out, but not all at once, that's all. Um, okay, now well, I might let it go until the end of winter. Yes. Mm. The, the, yes, anything to do with lawns, you kind of want to do and set up in the growing season. For winter, well, we've probably got about 12 weeks of cold weather ahead of us. And um, just make sure you don't mow it too short because you won't get the reed growth. And if you open up the lawn, you'll then more likely get weeds coming through. Fair enough. No, you've helped. I, I just was going to do it bit by bit and hopefully I thought it might the runners might just lay in the ground and then start growing when they got warm. They They might, but it might not be your best use of effort and time. Because they okay. Would... No, thank you. You've helped. Okay. Thank you very 
much. All right. Good luck, Robert. Appreciate it. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you. Cheers for that. We're in Coogee talking to Marlene. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, how are you guys? Very good. Thanks, Marlene. Thank you. Thank you for calling me back. I just wanted to know about what uh, do I put for the compost in the bucket to get the worms. Okay. Uh, what's What sort of bucket? Is it an open bucket? Yeah, yeah. But you said, uh, I remember the, girl, the lady saying to put a lid on after we put the compost in and bury it. Right. And make holes around the bucket. Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, but I don't know what to put with the uh, scraps to produce the worms they will just um. come they they will more than likely be naturally in your soil have you set this oh. up a little while ago no i haven't done it yet ah. i wanted to do it now that i've done my my garden and done the roses and all that i just wanted to put them in now right okay um start off small be, because your your scraps will be uh, a bit manky um yeah. When we do like composting, we do layers of green and brown. So your food scraps from your kitchen are, are kind of wet and and green, and you could layer yep. that with some dry leaves, uh, shredded yep. paper, yep. and and that will um, start. There's also other organisms that will work and break that down. So you might get some fungi, you might get some other little microorganisms crawling through, little centipedes and yeah, yeah. all sorts of things. So, okay. yep. I did remember her saying that she put something in there and that's for the worms to, to a lot of worms to come, but I, I'm not sure. I could have been wrong. I could be wrong. If If you just put food in there, they will come. And oh, okay. the smaller the scraps, Better. the easier and quicker it is for them to, to break, break down. down. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Yeah, thank you ever, ever so much. Have a great weekend. You, you too. too. Bye, Thanks, Marlene. Marlene. Bye. Bye. Now, I have a fabulous $75 gift voucher to give away to our listeners. Compliments of Kerry Spriggs at Bigger Trees Nursery up in Pickering Brook there. Must be a Curtin FM member. And not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Now, up at Bigger Trees at the moment, she's got over 50 different varieties of camellias wow. showing colour. That's that's fabulous, worth going and having a look. And uh, also right now, all the bare-rooted stock is arriving. So, yeah, mm. and uh, I believe a heck of a lot of it. So if you're into deciduous and ornamental and fruit trees, yeah, go and, go and check it out. Now, the question is... What are the names of the male and female parts of a flower? What are the names of the male and female parts of a flower? So we're talking about the reproductive <laughs> organs here. Uh, give Bev a call on 94841927 if you have the answer. Okay, now do we have a few emails to get through We as well? do, Ray. Let's and do it. on the subject of trees, uh, Sue... Oh, no, it's hi, Sue. Uh, this is from Joy. She says, we've bought a house in Lansdale with a seven-year-old jacaranda tree. Can I Prox interrupt? I think she thinks we're Sue McDougall. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, approximately three metres from the house. So that is really close to a house. Doesn't matter what sort of tree it is. Yeah, it is very. Um, approximately five to six metres tall. Believe they have a very vigorous root system and would like your opinion on whether to leave it or get rid of it before it gets any bigger. Any suggestions on a nice feature tree that we could replace it with? 
approximately gutter height when full grown that would give some shade from the east and without destructive roots. So if it's on the east side, this is sort of where the sun comes morning, up. So that's where you get your morning sun. sun. And in winter, we we really want that morning sun. So we so definitely I think, want deciduous. I think deciduous would be ideal. And mm. now is probably a really good time to do a scout around and have a look at the different options. You know, what's growing in people's gardens that you like the look of? You'd be looking at habitat and colour. Mm. And, um, you know, you can look through pictures. I mean... Ray, your your choice for this location was a crepe myrtle. A crepe myrtle go to for size and you know uh, manageable root system and um, display and canopy. Yeah, so they it's got a lot of ticks. It has. It's got beautiful bark when mm, the tree exactly. is older. Um, mm. Just yeah, very structural and lovely to look mm. at. It'll drop its leaves and you'll get beautiful flowers in the springtime mm -hmm. uh, they've got varieties now that are resistant to powdery mildew which used to be a problem with some of the older varieties uh, if you're looking for foliage if you want something burgundy the ornamental flowering plums yes uh, one that's performing in our garden at the moment is the prunus cerecifera nigra nigra is gorgeous burgundy I it's love it. starting to drop its leaves the mm. birds love it it will open up and let winter sun in. It's not it's a, a big tree. It's not a big tree. It's a mm. perfect feature. And it has stunning pink flowers. So there's something that changes through the year. You can get lots of other trees with gold and orange and mm. all sorts. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I, you get one chance at this. You I do. Think probably... I it's a big decision planting a tree, a feature tree, don't mm. you think? Yep. And getting it right, getting it right. So um, a lot of people make mistake of planting a tree that's just too big for, this, for, the, for the area. Yep. Mm. And if you wanted to go a bit taller to give some protection in summer uh, to, to shade the sun off the windows, you could look for a canopy tree, deciduous canopy tree that's a bit taller that will drop its leaves, easy to clean up once a year. Frangie. Gives you good mulch. A frangie. Oh, mm, the list is endless, right? I know, I mm. know. But I yes. Could, I could go mad with that. It will depend on the style of garden. It does look like there's roses like, across it, the front. It does look so, like they enjoy their flowers. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so <laughs> lots of decisions there, Joey. Good luck. And we do have a prize winner already uh, to our little quiz. Thank you. So I'll put the details up shortly, but we do have a prize winner to our Bigger Trees voucher. Carry on. Oh, okay. We don't have the details yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, another email from Gail and she went to John's Open Garden in Jandicott and had a very long discussion with him. She was after a plant for a particularly difficult place and he suggested uh one of the cordylines. It's a, it's almost an insignificant cordyline. It just, um, it doesn't have the coloured foliage, but it has green leaves. And I'd forgotten I had these in my garden, Ray. So I went round and dug up, dug up a few and cut up, cut up a few. This is called cordyline stricter, and it's probably one of the older varieties with strappy green leaves. Does look good all year round. Hardy. Um, and produces multiple stems well, over we time. we like that. And mm. sometimes just the greenery itself is the fabulous backdrop 
for green, as a foil for other plants. Green gardens are very cool and relaxing. So uh, now she says a bit more, and we quite like this. Your two-hour <laughs> program is the highlight of my week. I think you should all be nominated for OAM Order so, of so Australia. So do we. So do we, girl. <laughs> you contribute to a healthy environment, stopping climate change, happy, healthy minds, and more with the knowledge and a great deal of patience. Loved your guests, so enjoyed the Bee Man. And we did get a lot of feedback, feedback. about Dan. Dan mm. the Bee Man, so we must have him in the studio. People loved him. But, we will. Um, thank you for those compliments and OAM. I've always said Faye is um, uh, you're, on, you're on track to get one one day. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. We just keep doing what we do. But thank yeah. you, Gail. It was it well, brought a nice. smile to our dials. It did, and it's just nice to get some uh, feedback. It uh, yeah. It's important to us and uh, our listeners, from our listeners, uh, mostly. We have a winner. Wendy Slater from Mount Nazura has won the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Now, my question was, what are the names of the male and female parts of a flower? And the answer is stamen and the pistils. Stamen and pistils. Stamen. Sorry, Mm. I'm saying it wrong. I say stamen. Stamen and pistils. Stamen, stamen, Stamen is the boy. And pistols is the girl. <laughs> yeah. It, it takes me back to my studying botany and teaching botany. Stamen. And we we don't often talk about these parts in our everyday show. David Attenborough has a particularly interesting um, a video, I suppose it was, The Sex Life of Plants. Yeah. And, it, it's and they amazing. have one. <laughs> oh, they do. I mean, some Quite plants right. are... Uh, pollinated by wind, mm. others sexual and mm. asexual reproduction. Mm. So, mm. so it's we could delve into subjects. that at another time. Why not? Why not? Mm. Okay, um, back in a moment. Curtain Radio. 22 minutes after nine, you are tuned into Let's Talk Gardening. We're here till 10, then Jim Crinan will be taking over the reins with the classic 70s. Let's go to Clarkson. Say hello to Jenny. Good morning. Uh, yeah, good morning. How are you? Really well, thank you. Good. Um, I have a what somebody, a neighbour, has told me is a a trumpet tree, mm-hmm. an angel trumpet um, dacher. What is it? Datura? Anyway, I had a, yes, I had a note put through my door with from a concerned neighbour telling me it was a dangerous tree. Mm. Uh, are they? I've had this for about... Mm, Seven years. Yes. And I've always had it in a pot, but when I moved here, I put it into the garden and it's grown like mad. Uh, and she, she suggests I get in touch with the Wanneroo Shire. Um, <laughs> is this necessary? Well, is it growing up or down the flowers? They hang down. Hang down. Okay. It's possibly a Brugmansia then. Mm. Um, the... There is a lot of controversy. There's two sides of the camp to this story, Jenny. Um, yes. And my experience is that there was a, a lady, a friend of my grandmother's named Ursula, and she actually wrote a book because for many years she was unwell to the point of nearly dying and she, they just could not get to the bottom of what was causing her illness. Anyway, after many, many years and being on the edge of death, 
she discovered that the the culprit was a daitura or angel's trumpet, which was right. next to the rainwater tank. And the uh-huh. emanations that came from this plant caused her sickness. So what happens with toxicity can build up in your system and create a condition where you can't tolerate any of the um, the emanations, the, the scent mm-hmm. that comes from this plant. And so she wrote a book and went on quite a pilgrimage trying to get it banned because of, of its danger. And it's linked to hallucinations and sickness and death, hence called Angel's Trumpet because of the, the sound of angels playing as you're disappearing from your body sort of thing. <laughs> I know, I know. So every time I hear of, of the plant, I have this... the thoughts of Ursula because yeah. she told the story with such passion. There is a, a big movement of people who, who love the Brooks Mansiers and, you know, They're pretty. agreed They're pretty. they come in a range of colours mm-hmm. and are not... As toxic as the Datura, uh, mm-hmm. but but I understand all parts are toxic. So, you know, as a duty of care, we, we have to provide information on all the plants. Yes. I just want people to be aware. You know, for that reason, I I won't have them in my garden. And I wouldn't have them but either. But I mm. do have oleanders. So, yeah. you know, yeah. just, you know. Yes. Well, yeah. it says it's memory loss. I just thought it was my age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all think that. That's another good reason not to have it. But, no, I think keep active, drink water, have fun, enjoy life, be aware. Don't put it next to a bedroom window. Mm. That wouldn't, you know, because of what we know. Um, and and maybe Google and just find find out what other information you feel may be relevant to you. Yes, well, as I say, she she's um, she's obviously googled this and sent me a picture with a hello neighbour in it, and she hasn't bothered to come and knock the door, but um, and it just says, you know, and she's brought, she's uh, printed a picture off from the internet because this is what I'm getting, and it looks it does look very similar to mine, but mm. this a lot of this is yellow, mine's very white. So, um, okay. if you would like to send us a photo, Jenny, and look, I I understand why she might not have wanted to to approach you because it's quite a heated topic. I know, you know, I can end up on the other side of things just when I give my side of the story, and oh yeah, and I I'm not judging what people want to do, but I do feel it's my duty of care to give the information that I know mm, um, and yeah. and forearmed is forewarned. So, That's you know, right. it, you now have the opportunity to do your homework and decide whether you're happy to keep it knowing what you know. And um, I'm not sure I am now. It's right outside my bedroom window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, send us a photo and I'll try and narrow down exactly which one it is and... Okay. Um, and give you more information. I don't think the Wanneroo Shire will do anything about it because I think these plants are still available. Mm-hmm. You um, can go and buy them. Yeah. And, you know, even the ag department, I, I don't think it's a declared weed 
or anything no. like that? Well, I, I, I got this from a, a lady in, in a caravan park about seven years ago. One, one was outside her caravan mm. and she gave me not even a 12-inch cutting. Right. And now it's grown into a massive tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll, <laughs> thank I'll you. <laughs> See you, Jenny. Okay, Cheers. All right. Bye. Bye. And we can go back to our emails if you like. We can, yes. Um, now, this one's come from Wendy. She rang us last week and said that she had rust appearing on her diosma. So she yeah. sent us a photo. Not looking good. And no, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of dieback. But the photos, because they're not close up, I can't tell if there's evidence of, of pustules of rust on the leaves or if there's another culprit perhaps you know a mite or a borer or something that's getting into this plant she'd had problems over the years cut it back and it come back now I think um, in order to diagnose exactly what this is you would need a sample we would need to look at at a sample up close. If it is rust, it probably needs to go under a magnifying glass mm. um, or microscope. Mm. So a sample to the ag department would give you a definitive answer. Okay. So that, is yeah, we, we can't tell everything from a photo, unfortunately, but thank you for sending them, Wendy. Um, and it is, it is an older plant. So, you know, if you're going to struggle with something like that, you know, I... I personally would probably give cut, up on it. Cut your losses and, and start again. Um, See it as an opportunity to do something new. <laughs> you take the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, because we think the same. So she's also sent a photo of a grass tree that she bought as a seedling for her eldest granddaughter. And should she be planting it in the ground now or just a bigger pot? Uh, I I think maybe I'd take out the diosma and, and replace it with perhaps another native garden and mm. and pop the grass tree in there. in there so yep now would be fine it's a great time for planting native plants they'll establish with the winter rains mm. and now we've got a call about the angel trumpet okay we're in waikiki maria good morning hi it's moya maria oh hi moya moya hi okay yeah. um i i've got a brugmancy i've got a double yellow um, they're very easily transplantable. She could move it away from her window and put it sort of somewhere where she could see it perhaps in the backyard and um, allay the fears of the neighbour. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't have young people, you know, little people um, in the garden, or if she can put other things in front of it, I've had them for a long time. Yes. Um, and with care and with knowledge, they yes. are a lovely, lovely plant. Yes. Mm. And, um, I, you know, you see them all over the place. And unless you've got a pet that's going to eat it or a young child that's going to play with it, they are, you know, a lovely addition to any garden. Especially yes. when they're um, taken all the understory from them, all the side shoots, and, and they are... Um, all the foliage and the flowers are up and hanging down. It's just beautiful. They they are stunning. There's no doubt about that. And you're right, Moya, in the right location and with awareness. And I'm a big, big fan of, you know, not removing everything toxic from our gardens, but 
educating our little people. Half of everything that we grow is toxic in some way or another. This is true. Um, Mm. And some people just have a fear of things that is slightly irrational. But there we go. Everyone to their own. Exactly, Moya. Thank you. And yes. um, show. It's lovely. All right. Thank you very much for your call. Bye. Bye. Bye Okay. More emails, Ray? Yes, please. Well, here is one from Julie, and she had to share this photo with us. She's got a plant named Nessie after the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. And it is a flowering agave, and the 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 flower is reaching above the top of the caravan by the look of it. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's happening at the moment, right? Yes, yes. yes. Loch Ness Monster. It does look a bit like the Loch Ness Monster, I must say. Yes, gorgeous. And what will happen after that flower? Well, the plant will probably die, but yeah. it will probably put out a lot of pups too. Yeah, and correct. the bees go nuts for those flowers. flowers. Bees mm. are uh, absolutely uh, everywhere at the moment uh, when, in my travels. They're just... Well, there's so many flowers out mm. now. You know, I wandered they're around the heaven. garden and I picked a bucket of, of colour here and... I. It just says to me, like, tropical gardens. Like, you can have a tropical garden in the middle of winter because of all the foliage colour. It can look like a tropical-style garden. You've got cordelines that come in a, a rainbow of colours. You've got bromeliads. The bougainvilleas are stunning at the moment. They're in flower still. I mean, mm. they're so hardy. Mm. Um, the aloes, when I drove in this morning to Curtain Radio, there's just mass plantings of aloes that are Mm. putting up beautiful flower spikes. Spikes coming, Mm. yeah. Lots of colour around at the moment. Mm. Now, last night at the East Fremantle Football Club, I was asked, so I I go out scouting, Ray. Of course you do. I'm getting more listeners. Yes. (laughs) And Noel asked me about a particular rose called Mon Cherie. And I contacted both Melville's Rose Garden mm. and Swiss Garden Nursery. And, and they, they have both it? have them in stock. So And what colour is it? I don't know. I didn't I'm get that I'm going to Google part. it while you're talking okay. to me. Mm. So Noel Ireland asked me, so if you're listening, Noel, there you go. Melville's Rose Nursery or the Swiss Rose Nursery, both have them in stock at the moment. Um we had a great night last night listening to Wayne Pride and singing along to the music and Rod Grillisich gave us a great shout out and next week they have Michael Barbaro there at five o'clock um, <laughs> entertaining And the he's crowds. great, right? He is great. Yeah. 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 So Okay. I know I'll probably have a table booked there even though I can't be there. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so, sounds like a deal. All right, let's go to Caversham Steve. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Um, just want to make a comment. You were talking about trees and proximity to houses yes. and and that sort of thing. Um, I'm actually a plumber, and I just want to make you aware of what's in the ground. Yes. Um, there's things like water services, gas services, your sewer mains, and your power is all buried these days. And the tree roots can get into all of those. Mm. So, yeah. So, so I would put that, throw that comment out there. And that would Talk be about the canopy, and then you've got to go into the ground as well. Yeah. 
And I guess, Steve, on smaller property these days, all of those services are in a more concentrated area. Yeah, well, they can be. And um, things like your sewer and your water service could probably be on the left side of the property. Mm. But then the all the services inside the house could be on the right-hand side. So they could run diagonally across the property as well. Mm. And that, so not mess, that might not only be... A straight line. 10 or so metres as well. So have you come across any trees that are particularly worse than others? Um, Yeah, well, um, your imported ones are worse than your natives. Mm. Um, um, uh, uh, Is it umbrella tree? Yes, yes. Is is an absolutely atrocious. Yeah, no, you wouldn't Um, recommend that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anything that's um, native comes in, it's imported. Um, More problematic. Go, go looking for water, whereas your natives they can tolerate being dry. So it's a good point that you make, Steve. Well, yep, I've, no I over time I've thought that the best person to talk about roots will be someone who actually deals with deal roots, with because it. even yeah. landscapers aren't digging up roots all the time and sometimes we get asked can you identify what this root is and mm-hmm. you know you i look around uh i think ficus are one of the worst you know what, oh, what yes. was a lovely indoor plant a baby mm. ben ficus benjaminer yep. you yep. know all people go oh it's too big for the house we'll put it in the garden and mm. they're, they're terrible no. But the Chinese tallows too. What do have you found a problem with their roots? Um, well, we just dig the roots up and fix the problem, and don't really trace what are the, what they are. But mm. um, but yeah, there's a lot of roots out there that um, yeah can really get real vigorous in, mm. in the sewer lines. Yeah, and the tallows can. There's no doubt about that. Mm. So buying mm. a tree from a reputable nursery. They yeah. should yes. be able to advise advise yeah. on tree roots. I don't want to be critical of them, um, but there are some people out there that say that, oh, yes, this will only grow to three metres high. Mm. And next thing, they're 30 metres tall. Yeah. Caveat so, emptor, buyer beware. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, your comments, Steve. I'll just give you a, an example. Um, I didn't trace what tree it was. I had one where the roots crawled up a, a, a leach drain and got into the pipe going into the septic tank. Yeah. And it was two and a half metres long by 100 mil diameter. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Gee, I'd love what to know serious, where that tree was. Root. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. And, uh, yeah, certainly some of the gums that perhaps aren't West Australian, you know, mm. that will seek out water, mm. oh, they can go from mm. yeah, it feels like miles yep that's right mm. well thanks steve yep. interesting comment throw that comment out there yeah good on you appreciate your no, call no thank worries. you not a problem cheers thank you, thank you. Bye. bye yeah trees like robinias and things like that Ooh, yeah. well they suck it terribly oh, too don't they well they've been planted in the neighborhood where i live mm. yeah so ray one of the things i wanted to talk about today was the difference between dracaenas and cordylines. Okay. Of which there are many and their leaves can look kind of quite similar. 
One of the reasons um, or one of the ways to determine the difference is the roots. Well, it's a bit of a conundrum again because in order to tell the difference, you need to dig up the plant and check its roots. I was just thinking that as you said it. (laughs) But Dracaenas have orange roots, whereas Cordylines have white roots. Okay. That's fascinating I went hunting around the garden and I found some Dracaenas that had suckered and in my failed attempts, I have two cuttings here that have no roots on them. Um, but if if I had cut and dug away, you would That's, have seen that these have, a white, have orange roots. Orange root on the dracaena. Okay. Now, I hope you've got plenty of potting mix at home because you've got a bit of work to do, young okay. lady. Yes, I do um, have potting mix. But here is a dracaena. You can see, yes. not a good example, but its roots are I can are see orange. the orange. Uh, and I do have a cordyline here that I pulled up somewhere, and it has white roots. There we go. Cordyline stricter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have and bes- probably, okay. And besides the root colour, well, that's that's about it. Because what about the habitat? They same same. They well, dracaenas are biennial. I, I was going to say about sun hardy. Some of the, the hybrid, particularly cordylines, have got a soft leaf. Yeah. So last week uh, in my bucket of flowers or bucket of foliage, I gave you some cordylines <clears throat> with the plummy, yes, plummy yes. burgundy colour. I still have it because mm. I have a plan for it. Yeah. Well, you know, you can just pop these in in a jug of water yeah. and they'll grow roots and you can plant them. So there's yeah. no hurry. And in the meantime, you can enjoy them. As, as part of a floral bouquet. Yeah, my house looks like a forest at the moment. Yeah, I've got things going in all directions. Well, this should keep and... you busy till I get back anyway. Yes. Um, and I've also brought in a couple of different canna leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want them, I can I have dig a up a canna. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and how do you like this? I have the... both of those. <laughs> <laughs> One's green and white, yeah. flecked foliage, and mm. the other is uh, oh, it's shades of... Reds and greens and cream and and how showy is the Tropicana? I know, I know, and they're Mm. they're so hardy. The first year they creep, the second Mm. year, no, no, no. The first year they sleep, the second year they creep, and the third year they leap. And then you can have big, big swathes of it in your garden. uh, Cut them down after they've flowered, or you can just mow over them. That's it astonishing, works. isn't it? Just mow straight yep. over your plants. <laughs> yep. Well, if you've got a big patch of them, it's the easiest thing to do. All right. I have to go to a break. We will pick this conversation up on the other side. Okay. Curtain Radio. We appreciate your company this morning. Straight back out to the lines. We're in Banjup talking to Mary. Good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning. How are you, Mary? <laughs> Terrific. I mean, beautiful day like this. Weather didn't disperse with rain. Oh, just just yeah. lovely. Hey, now, how did you enjoy the Perth Garden Festival? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Because if I remember correctly, you got tickets and a prize, didn't you? No, just tickets. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought there was some goodies to come prize. along with that. Ooh. The prize is listening to the show. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, you're talking about tree roots. We had a coccus palm that was probably a good 10 metres from any of our septic lines and we were on acreage. And there was a blockage in the toilet system. 
When it was investigated, a cocos palm had sent a root out. It had found a join in the pipe, as I said, about 10 metres away. And it was just an absolute mass of very fine fibres that totally blocked the septic system. And that was cocos palm. That Mm. blows me away because I would have thought that they had a more contained root system i mean certainly at the base there's a lot of tight fibrous roots but i guess there must be something that anchors them well one had got one of the the little roots had got into the pipe Mm. and it was just a fine you know apparently crack in the joining but uh yeah it was just it was like a massive lace just shoved into the pipe and it pro- it was probably a, a good metre to a metre and a half long. Wow. The mass. Mm. So, oh, my yeah. goodness. And wow. you see some of them in Perth and you think, oh, no, take them away. Yeah. Take them away. They're not meant to be here. Yes. But it, mm. it is what it is. Mm. Oh, well, thank you for that. Uh, roots are fascinating. I mean, it's a, a plant's way of surviving, isn't it? Gets little a taste of a little bit of moisture, Water. it seeks it out, mm. and and away it goes. And they're yeah, very the opportunistic. Mm. Well, the learning aspect for us was coming from um, northern New South Wales, where we didn't use a hose for five years, and it just looked like the most beautiful lush garden. Mm. Um, and it was an acre, but over here we had to learn. We've, we've been here sixteen years, and we really had to learn all about WA um, vegetation and the whole bit. So, yeah. you know, it was, um, we need about another 20 years now to start and learn more. Don't so we just? What we've learned into practice. Yeah. Oh, it's good to have something to look forward to, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it more is. More learning. Thank you for your call. I appreciate Okay. okay. Thank Bye. You. Cheers for that. And we're heading to Thornley. We're talking about agaves. Marilyn, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Marilyn? Uh, fine, thank you. Um, we, we, oh, she's about 14 months now, the pup. Uh, she's a bull Arab. She's beautiful. And you know how they like to chew things. Yes. Plants and all that. But I didn't realise. I finally eventually, oh, it must have been over here not long ago, realised it must be the plant she was eating because I didn't know what it was. So I rang my mum up because I got it from her and she told me it was the guave. So my husband looked it up and it's very toxic to animals and humans if mm. they eat the leaves. I think it's the gel because being a light-coloured dog, around her mouth, instead of very pale pink, was very, very dark, bright pink. And um, they can end up with blisters and her demeanour was... Oh, you couldn't control her jumping up and she couldn't settle and everything. And I worked out that's what it was. So, we, like I said, we looked it up and took it out the next day. And it took about three days, really, to the, for it to work out of a system. And she's a completely different dog. Mm, that, she's it's been, interesting, mm. isn't it? Because there, there are a lot of plants in the garden that we yeah, overlook or just don't... Yeah, don't realise. No, I'm I'm aware of that, Marilyn. Yeah, that they are mm, a toxic plant. Dog. Mm. Otherwise, it would have like went into a little dog. Mm. And it was lucky she didn't get blisters in her mouth and that. 
Thank you, you for know. sharing, and it's just another warning for everybody. Yeah, well, there's a lot of plants we don't know. That's right. I've never, other yeah. dogs never worried about it before. I've had, yeah. this one's a puppy. This is a problem, and I have similar problems to you as well, Marilyn. And honestly, uh, to have a garden and to have a puppy, it's uh, not, not a great combination. No, because I've never had a puppy before. Ah, yeah. Yes, so we have to remain diligent, and it's very hard yeah, to have no. eyes in the back of your head. No, I just mm. thought I'd let the people yeah, know. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing. Thank you. All right, bye. All the best. Thank you. All right, we do have to go for a break, but let's do one more call. Let's squeeze this one in from Queens Park. Gil, hi. Oh, yeah, good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, Look, there's not a lot you can do about this problem, but just people ask me, why is this happening? And as a plumber, we get roots getting in behind tiles. And in 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 the 50s, 60s and 70s, the glue that used was made out of uh, animal hooves and after after about 15 to 20 years it reverts back to a fertilizer and it comes up in it uh, and it uh, starts eating the the glue that has reverted back to a fertilizer and pushes the tires off so people ask me why does it happen i tell them it's something that was made by this company that was made from horse yeah so just a bit of information fertilizer behind your tiles so it brings whole new meaning to indoor plants that's what it does, and it's quite quite amazing to see a, a full ray of fibrous roots in there covering all the back of the tiles. Oh, oh my goodness! I don't know whether to laugh or cry. <laughs> Terrific! That's <laughs> fascinating. Well, I I'd love well, to see like photos. It. Oh my goodness! Okay, I'll next I'll get some photos if I can next time. Thank you. Oh, thanks thank for sharing, you. Gil. Okay, have a great day. Cheers. Bye. Oh dear me, what next? Curtain Radio. And you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Today's program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlement, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. So, Ray, we've been joined in the studio by Jim Crinan. Yes. What a crack up. He is. He is. <laughs> so the, the listeners will be entertained by him. You know what he just said to me? He asked me if I'm growing my hair back. And I thought, oh, yes, if I don't get it cut. If I don't cut it, I guess I am. Yeah. And so you know what he said? He said, so am I. Growing his hair. I know. You should see. It's He's got a like a solar panel on top to catch all the sun rays. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little bit around the side. I think he set me up for that. He does. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a cheeky. He's a cheeky one. Ah, now, I contacted Dave Bright this week to see how the plant sale went up at Lansdale Farm School last weekend. You know, it was a native plant sale and the Herb Society were up there. The weather was just atrocious. I know. He said they had three heavy squalls come through during Mm. the morning that he suspects kept some folks away. Nevertheless, they did sell approximately 1,000 plants, which is only a tad below average for the last five so years. So they were pretty pleased. Well, gardeners. gardeners are amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, he also sent back a photo of some Ripsalis cuttings that I'd given I him that are that. doing very well. He's another one of our enthusiasts. And I suggested that we need to have a Ripsalis get together. I think where so we too. could just swap and share and think so show. Too. Yes. Yep. So watch this space. Looking for any other Ripsalis collectors out there that might want to join our gang? Oh, and they're around. Mm. Yeah, from what I can see on the 
Facebook well, page. John John Banner-Savage sent me a photo this week. He's got one we haven't got. Him. Yes, I think him. so. Okay, so and we've got some lovely more flowers that you brought in as we well. We have. I've brought you in a burgundy spotted bur- bur- bromeliad. Brad, that's stunning. Mm. That's stunning. And this piece here, can you talk about that one for me? This. Oh, this... This is a philodendron that I planted I just think about it's gorgeous. Mm, 10 years ago mm. and it grows probably three to four metres up a tree. It's now got new different branches off it. It goes up and then it hangs down and it goes again. So this is just a cutting. Yeah. So Jim's modelling it. Jim's modelling it for oh. us. Oh! oh! Did you just, he just broke it. I know. Oh, you can leave now. And the underside is burgundy and... <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> what a shocker! <laughs> it's all right, Ray. There's plenty. Oh, that might be that Jim's home. piece. He wanted. He broke yeah. that yeah, because he that wanted piece. it. Yeah. I'll get you another one. <laughs> He's only dying here, laughing. I might add, laughing. Oh, it's all right. You because these leaves are like fifty centimeters long yeah. each. And so you would want to reduce the leaves anyway. Well, I'm attracted to to big leaves, but you've got to have the right situation for them. Well, it's a cutting. It's all right. We would have cut that one off anyway, Jim. Okay. And I would cut, but I don't want you to do it, the next two. Yeah. So you've only got one leaf and a new shoot coming. Okay. But there's so many philodendrons out there. They really are. They're great climbers. Mm. They're great understory plants. So mine is growing up a bottle brush that's, 30 or more years old and it's it's the framework it's also got a giant pothos growing up it the devil's ivy mm. uh there's a staghorn attached to the trunk like there's all these epiphytes that will grow on tree trunks mm. Mm. and just yeah love it so creating a canopy and planting understory so a lot of these plants here these foliage plants will do really well they're protected from frost and they get a lot of sunlight, bright light, dappled shade, so they're protected. So we've got little rubies, the beautiful burgundy foliage. Hibiscus are just going gangbusters Crazy at the, the moment. moment. They're yeah. putting in their last effort. I mean, autumn is just like another spring, isn't it? We Very do, much so. We get the cool nights, but we get lovely sunny days. Yeah. Well, the soil's starting to dry out, but it's still a little bit warm. Mm. Um We've got the intermittent rains and fungi popping up, which adds <laughs> another dimension. Good. Life is good. And I've also brought you in um, a little bunch of hydrangeas. So Jim asked us last weekend when when you cut the hydrangeas back. Yes. You can see some I've cut a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've cut these this piece back to two fat buds. But the top, you could easily make two cuttings out of that. So I'm giving them lessons here, folks. Um, but the flowers still look really good. So, you yeah. know, I might I might have left this bush, left it looking good for another month or so until it looks really daggy, we get more rains, the flowers just get manky and, and give it a cut back then. Mm. Anytime during winter, ready for its spring flush and when the weather starts to warm up, like with many things that we're hearing from our guests, spring is the time to start feeding. The plants are getting going. You'll feed your frangipanis, you'll feed your begonias, uh, anything that's going to flower in springtime, you'll start feeding when that weather turns. And you'll feel it. You'll get those warmer days. Mm. The nights will 
change a bit. Such a wonderful time. <laughs> We're all inspired, young lady. Now, next week you're not here. I shall be in sunny Queensland, but filling in for me will be Daryl Hardy talking about my bugs and Mark Tuchek talking about the pretty flowers. It's a perfect combination. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think so. You'll have your hands full, Ray. I'm sorry Always. to be leaving you. Okay, not a drama. Fayokaro, have fun. And uh, thanking Bev Daring and John Glidden. And my gardenism for the morning is the biggest obstacle to, gar- to good gardening is the desire to know the answers and not the questions. Do you like yes, that? I'm going I to do. say it again because I messed it up. The biggest obstacle to good gardening is the desire to know the answers and not the questions. Okay, everyone. Jim Crine and his next was the classic 70s. Then we go country with Brendan T and Born in Boots from 12 noon. Enjoy WA Day this Monday. Yes. Happy yes. gardening, everybody. Happy long weekend. Yes. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.